The New York Times published an article this past Tuesday that was titled 114,000 students in New York City are homeless. These two led us into their lives. Uh, This article walks through a typical day in the life of two New York City children who are either homeless or who are living in overcrowded conditions. And here's the pictures of the two kids that they highlighted in the article. Um, on the left, there is an eight-year-old named Darnell who lives in a homeless shelter in Jamaica, Queens with his mother and siblings. And he commutes 15 miles to his school in East Harlem every day. On the right is a 10-year-old named Sandy who shares a bedroom with her mother and four brothers in an apartment that they share with another family of four, right here in Bensonhurst, Brooklyn. And her family has moved seven times in the past five years. This article um, goes on to say this. It says, the number of school-aged children in New York City who live in shelters or doubled up in apartments with family or friends has swelled by 70% over the past decade, a crisis without precedent in the city's history. By day, New York's 114,085 homeless students live in plain sight. They study on the subway and sprint through playgrounds. At night, these children sometimes sleep in squalid, unsafe rooms often for just a few months until they move again. School is the only stable place they know. This is a reality that that we have right here in our own city. Well, over the course of this fall, we've been going through this sermon series uh, that is called Reasons for Faith. And we've been looking at, at, at why we should believe in some of the key teachings of the Christian faith, particularly in the face of objections that people sometimes have. Well, one of, the, one of those teachings, one of the things that Jesus actually spoke a lot about in his ministry was something called the kingdom of God. Uh, when Jesus began his public ministry, he announced the kingdom of God has come near. And, and we're going to see in today's text that, that Jesus was actually proclaiming that God's kingdom was breaking into our world. But here we are, 2,000 years later, after that proclamation, and when we look out at our world, it often doesn't look like God's kingdom is very present. It sure doesn't look like his kingdom has been established. When you think about those 114,000 students in New York City who are homeless or living in overcrowded conditions, it, it sometimes makes us wrestle with the reality of God's kingdom. What It doesn't sound like something that that should happen when God is king. So today we're going to be finishing up this this series, wrestling with this this reality of the proclamation of God's kingdom, but also the reality of our world. And we're going to be looking at God's inbreaking kingdom, which is my sermon title. Uh, We're going to be looking at how the Bible teaches that, that God's kingdom is, it did break into the world and it is continuing to break into the world And why we should believe that that's true, even despite the many things in our world that might make us doubt it. 
So we're going to be looking at a few different passages of Scripture today, but I want to start by reading actually just two verses for us today from Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 17, and we'll be reading verses 20 and 21. Once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that you would open up your word to us today as we hear this proclamation that Jesus made in in his ministry, and as we think about how that proclamation is true even today and how you are bringing your kingdom, Lord. So, so show us, Lord, how it is that you are king, even in the face of realities in our world that sometimes make us doubt. So speak to us now, Lord. Give us ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to begin today by, by starting with the question, what is the kingdom of God? When we hear that, that proclamation about God's kingdom, what exactly is that talking about? Well, the first thing to clarify about God's kingdom is that it is not a place, but it is the reality of God ruling. When we often um, hear that word kingdom, I think many of us, we, we think about it as, as a place, as a specific location. When we think about the United Kingdom, a place that's, that's in our world, right? Or the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. There are various kingdoms that, that exist around our world. You know, maybe for some of us it brings to mind images of castles and knights and thrones. This idea of, of a kingdom. But when Jesus speaks about the kingdom of God, he's not talking about a physical place on earth. He's, he's talking about a reality. And we see this in our, in our text from Luke 17 where Jesus is questioned by the Pharisees about the coming of the kingdom of God. And he says, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is, or there it is. So the kingdom of God is not something that that occupies a certain piece of land that has boundaries or, or borders. You can't pin it down. By saying, here it is, there it is, it's it's located right here. Instead, when Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, he's talking about a reality, which is the rule or the reign of God. So God's kingdom is present wherever God is ruling as king. Wherever he is taking place, he, he is acknowledged and ruling as king. Now, in one sense... We might think that, yeah, actually God, he rules over all of creation. That in some sense, right, God is, is king over everything. And so everything is under his, his kingdom. But for the people of Israel, at the time of Jesus, they looked out at their world. And they saw a lot of people who were not living with God as their king. In fact, they themselves were also under the control of the Roman Empire. The person who was ruling in their world was Caesar. And so the Pharisees, as they come to Jesus, this is the reason that that they're asking about the coming of the kingdom of God. Because they looked around at their world and they say, it sure doesn't look like God is is ruling as king right here. And so they're looking forward to this moment when when God will come and he will 
He will establish his kingdom. But this kind of leads into the next aspect of God's kingdom that Jesus is proclaiming, which is that that this kingdom is not just a future reality, but it is presently breaking into the world. We'll get to that in a second of how Jesus says that, but again, the background of this is that the Pharisees and many others in Israel at the time of Jesus, they were thinking about God's kingdom as something that was going to come in the future when the promised Messiah would come, the anointed one, and this, this, this person would establish God's kingdom here on earth. It would be an earthly kingdom. It would be a, a kingdom where all of a sudden everything would be right. They, they, they thought back to the glory days of King David when Israel was, was a power and, and they looked forward to the day when, when they would no longer be controlled by the Roman Empire. And so their idea of the kingdom of God coming was that it would come and Rome would be no more and, and Israel would be in power again and there would be an earthly king ruling when everything in the world would be made right. Today, actually, there are some Christians who think of the kingdom of God in this way as well, as something that is only in the future. That that they believe that the kingdom of God will only come when Jesus returns to earth at his second coming. That that's when the kingdom will come to our, our world. And there's some truth to that we'll get to in a second. But that's not how Jesus spoke about the kingdom of God, as we see in, in, the, in our text today. In our text, Jesus says, the kingdom of God is in your midst. So he talks about the kingdom or the reign, the rule of God, as something that was present even in his ministry while he was walking around on earth. Even while Israel was still under the control of the Roman Empire. He says, even though that's true... The kingdom of God is still in your midst. It's here. It's among you. Earlier in in Luke's gospel, in Luke 11, chapter 11, verse 20, Jesus says, the kingdom of God has come upon you. So Jesus seems to be be teaching this this truth that the kingdom of God is not just something that's way off in the distant future, but, but that somehow it's actually here and now. It's present. So what did Jesus mean by that? Well, Jesus was saying... That in and through his own ministry, the rule or the reign of God was breaking into the world. That he himself was bringing the kingdom into the world because he was the king. And he had come. And he was inviting others to come under the rule of God. So as Jesus walked around calling people to follow him, become his disciples, he was inviting them into the kingdom, into the rule of God. And Jesus expected this to continue even after he ascended into heaven. Jesus told his disciples to pray in the very familiar prayer that we, we pray all the time, the Lord's Prayer. He, he, he invites the disciples to pray, Our Father in heaven, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus invites us to pray for God's kingdom to come into our world on earth as it is in heaven. So so we should actually expect 
for God's kingdom to still be breaking into our world, even today. And we're going to look at, at what that might look like in a second, but it's, it's important to also note one other aspect of the kingdom of God, which is that it won't be fully present in our world until Christ returns. That there is a present reality to God's reign in our world, but there's also a future reality, the consummation of God's kingdom. And when Christ returns, he will establish his kingdom over all things in all of its fullness. And so the way that sometimes this is talked about is is to say that, that God's kingdom is already, but not yet. It is already here. It's, it's, it's here. It's, it's breaking into the world. And yet it's, it's also not quite yet fully established. And so that's why, for some people, it can be hard to believe in the reality of God's kingdom. Because of the fact that it's not here fully. As I mentioned earlier, when we look out at our world, we see so many things that can make us doubt whether God's reign has really come near, as Jesus proclaimed. And we think about those 114,000 students who are homeless or overcrowded conditions in New York City. When we think about the fact that there are countries around our world where there are people having to flee for their, their lives as refugees into other places because of war. When we think about the reality that we look at our, around our world, we see a lot of selfishness and people wanting to do whatever it takes to, to gain more wealth and power. And we look at our world and there's a lot of things that show us that God is not reigning fully, that there's a lot of people who think that they are reigning fully in our world. And in the face of this, we can be tempted to either deny the reality of God's kingdom completely or to just think about it as, yeah, it is just going to be something that is going to come way down the road in the future and we just sort of are waiting for that day when it's going to happen. So next I want to look at how is... God's kingdom presently breaking into our world. If it's true that that God's kingdom is not just something way off in the distance, but that Jesus says it's in your midst, and that we're supposed to pray for it still to be in our midst today, if God's kingdom is breaking into the world, how does that happen? What does that look like in our world? Well, the first way that God's kingdom is breaking into our world is as people are brought under the rule of God. Of Jesus. As people, individuals, are brought under the rule of Jesus. If the reign of God is present wherever God is ruling as king, then as people turn away from trying to rule their own lives and come under the rule of Jesus, guess what happens? The kingdom of God grows and expands. As more and more people come under his rule, as acknowledge that I I'm not king, God. Jesus, you are king. And that's another person that's entering into the kingdom. The kingdom is breaking into the world as people acknowledge that. The, the Apostle Paul wrote about this in, in his letter to the Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. Paul writes, For he, talking about God, has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So this is the first way that the the kingdom is breaking into our world is as people are rescued out of the dominion of darkness and brought into the kingdom 
of the Son he loves, into the kingdom of Jesus. Let me give you a, a glimpse of this that I was just thinking about this past week. Um, about 45 years ago, the kingdom of God broke into this neighborhood in a dramatic way, rescuing people from the dominion of darkness and bringing them into the kingdom of Jesus to experience what Paul says there, redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Some of you know this story. Some of you actually were around when this was happening. And others of you who are newer to our church, this might be brand new to you hearing this story about some of the history of, of our own congregation in this neighborhood. On a regular Tuesday night youth meeting here at 59th Street Church, while the youth group was gathered, a group of about 40 gang members walked into this church and sat down in the front rows of that youth meeting. And the youth pastor at the time, Doug Heilman, decided, rather than saying, what are these people doing here, decided this is a one-time opportunity. And so he said, I'm going to share the gospel with them. He wasn't sure if they'd ever come back again. And so he, he did, and then he invited them to stick around after the meeting so that he could get to know them. And guess what? They did. They stuck around. And then they came back the following week, on the next Tuesday. And even more of them came, in even larger numbers. Gangs in this neighborhood who were fighting with each other. Right, gangs were the, the homicides. They came in, were in this church, in the basement, listening to the gospel. Well, over the next few weeks, Doug tried to visit many of these gang members' homes and to get to know them. There's a picture of, of, of Doug and, and some of those, um, those individuals. And as he did, about six weeks into this, a lot of those gang members asked Doug to come and be their pastor out on the streets. Said, we want you to be our pastor. So come out, hang out with us here out on the streets. And as Doug prayed about this, he felt that God had opened up this opportunity that he just could not say no to. And so he resigned from his position at, at our church here, and he moved into an apartment in the neighborhood, and he began to minister to these gang members. Well, Doug recently wrote a book about his experience, his story, that is titled Being Dad. And it tells the story of how he became a dad to these gang members, and how God saved and transformed the lives of many of them, and many of their own testimonies are told in that book, sharing their own story of, of how God had rescued them from the dominion of darkness and brought them into the kingdom of Jesus to be redeemed, to be saved. And how this beginning, actually, eventually grew into a multifaceted ministry called discipleship that today is still exists by another name, Turning Point Brooklyn. Now, in, in the book, George Cruz, who, um, who met Doug very early on when this was happening, after he had returned home to Brooklyn um, after being at a Bible college in Puerto Rico, he, wrote, he writes this in the book. He says, Those first days of ministry with Doug and the teens from Brooklyn, teens that came from all different backgrounds, were wonderful days. Days full of life and constant glimpses of God's kingdom bursting forth 
before us. George Cruz looked at what was happening in those early days and he says, this is God's kingdom bursting forth as he's rescuing people into the kingdom of his son. So one way that the kingdom breaks into our world today is when people come under the rule of Jesus, when they are rescued from the dominion of darkness and brought into his kingdom. But there's another way that the kingdom of God is also presently breaking into our world, which is that it also happens as communities and systems are transformed and brought under the rule of Jesus. God wants to bring individuals under his rule, but he also wants that rule to extend beyond just individuals to actually impact Communities, neighborhoods, even systems in society so that the values of his kingdom, of his rule, would take root and actually change a whole culture in a particular area. As I was reading through um, Doug Heilman's book, Being Dad, this past week, I was amazed at the stories of personal transformation in a lot of these individuals' lives you know, as different people shared those, those testimonies of how God had rescued them from, from life in a gang or from being a drug dealer or from drug addiction. But as I started to read, I saw another reality begin to emerge in the pages of this book. Because what started as one man ministering to some gang members grew into discipleship house at first which was a house that was, that was a Christ-centered community that began to impact the community. And, and it wasn't just Doug, but it was also other individuals coming and being a part of this ministry. And, and God's kingdom was starting to, to infiltrate into this neighborhood. And, and then as drugs became a greater issue in the neighborhood, the people in, 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 this, in this group, discipleship, decided they're going to set up a hotline for people to call who were trapped in drug addiction and wanting to be rescued from it. And they began to send people to drug rehab programs. And then as the HIV AIDS epidemic broke out in Sunset Park in the 1980s, they formed support groups. And and, and Doug in his book talks about how they partnered with neighborhood churches, including our own church here, 59th Street, to have dinners for those who had HIV AIDS. And they realized as time went on, that that a lot of the youth in the community were were struggling academically, that they weren't getting the sort of education that they really should have in their schools. And so they started offering homework help and GED classes. And they bought a building to provide housing for homeless youth. You see, what, what eventually, what had been one individual ministering to some gang members grew eventually into a whole social service agency that was impacting the whole community of Sunset Park. Thousands of people being impacted and reached, transforming not just individuals, but transforming even a neighborhood and a culture in areas from housing to education to substance abuse and a lot of other areas. In our scripture reading earlier in the service that Kai read for us, Jesus tells two parables where he describes what the kingdom of God looks like. In Mark 4, Jesus says, 
It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed you plant in the ground. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants. The growth of the kingdom of God often starts with a small seed that is planted. A youth pastor who just starts getting to know some gang members in the neighborhood. Or a Chinese parish worker named Ivy Goon who starts a small Bible study 40 years ago to begin reaching out to Chinese immigrants moving into this neighborhood. But then slowly this, this seed begins to grow. And so 45 years later, Turning Point Brooklyn is serving thousands of clients in this neighborhood. 40 years later, Ivy Goon's Bible study is now our Chinese department, ministering to this neighborhood in both Cantonese and Mandarin. How does that happen? How does, how does one individual planting some seeds, how does, that, how does that happen? Well, in Jesus' other parable, he says this. He says, a man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. The sower doesn't cause the plant to grow, right? The sower is just sowing seed. God causes the plant to grow. God causes his kingdom to grow. But amazingly, he chooses to use little seeds that we sow, that we plant, and he uses our imperfect attempts to care for the things that start to grow up. And that's the way that he extends his kingdom more and more in this world. So I want to close today by leaving you with a question, a final question, which is how does God want to use you to expand his kingdom? If God's kingdom grows as people are brought under the rule of Jesus, who has God placed in your life that he may want to bring under his gracious and loving rule? Maybe a family member or a neighbor or a coworker? Maybe the parent of one of your kids' friends? Maybe the, the neighborhood kid who's kind of a troublemaker? Is it possible that God may have placed you in their life to help expand his kingdom through your planting of seeds in those lives? If God's kingdom grows in communities and as systems are transformed and brought under Jesus' rule, how might God want to use you in that too? How might God want to use our church in bringing his kingdom in our community? When we think about those 114,000 homeless students in our city, what would it look like for the kingdom of God to break into that situation? How might we be a part of loving and supporting families who are living out that reality in their lives? What are the other pressing issues in our community that God may want to transform? Rescuing people from gambling addiction 
Rescuing women who have been trafficked into exploitative and oppressive situations. Helping new immigrants learn English or navigate our complicated immigration system or or just helping them feel welcome in our neighborhood. Now, I realize I just listed off a lot of different questions and a lot of different possibilities of what this might look like. So to bring it home, here's my encouragement for you today. First, pray. Ask God how he wants to use you to help expand his kingdom. And then listen to what he might want to say to you. Pray, your kingdom come, Jesus, on earth as it is in heaven, here in Brooklyn, here in Sunset Park, here in Bay Ridge, as it is in heaven. And ask him, what what seeds do you want me to plant so that you can bring the growth, God? And then, after you pray, as you continue to pray, look for opportunities. Don't try to force something. But watch for opportunities that God may place in your path. You may not have 40 gang members walk into a meeting that you're leading. But if you run into a neighbor on the street, or you bump into someone that you haven't seen in a while, or or someone invites you to join them in doing something with them, in, in an activity, why not embrace that opportunity as maybe something that God has actually is placing in your lap where he's inviting you to be a part of his kingdom growing. Sometimes we look out at our world and it can be hard to believe that God's kingdom is really in our midst. But here's my encouragement to you. As we pray, as we look for opportunities, I can almost guarantee that God is going to show us how his kingdom is breaking into our world. He's going to show us how he's starting to rescue people in our lives. And it may not happen right away. It may take time as those seeds are planted, as as the growth comes. And so my last encouragement to you as you pray and look for opportunities is then to step out in faith and lead as he leads you to join him. Take a risk. Plant a seed. And it's okay if nothing happens right away. Keep sowing. Keep praying. Keep watching. Keep taking just step after step after step. And guess what? You may be surprised when you look back 5, 10, 15 years from now and see that God has grown some amazing trees from those seeds that you planted. And you may be even more surprised in the way that God has brought his kingdom more and more into your own heart, in the ways that he has transformed you, chasing away your doubts and your fears and your self-centeredness as he brings his gracious, patient, loving rule into your life and through you into our world. Let's pray. God, you proclaim that you are king. You are king over all things. But we recognize, Lord, that that in our world, ever since the Garden of Eden, people, humans, have been 
rejecting you as, as our king. And we continually try to prop ourselves up as being kings and queens in our lives, that we want to rule. And Lord, we look out at our world and we see the mess that comes when, when humans do this. The ways that, 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 that lives are shattered and relationships are broken and, and war and violence results, Lord, from, from people trying to be king in their own lives. And so, Lord, we need your, your mercy and your grace to have mercy on us in the ways that we even do this in our own lives. We thank you that, that when Jesus came, when you sent your Son, Father, into the world, Jesus came to proclaim that now, finally, your kingdom had come. And it was coming into the world. And that you were inviting people to, to embrace the good news of you being king in our lives. And so we pray, God, that you would do that, Lord, that you would use us as we plant seeds to bring individuals into your kingdom, that they would, would turn away from the dominion of darkness, turn away from trying to rule our own lives and, and say, yes, Jesus, be my king, be my Lord, be my savior. Lord, do that in our hearts, do that through us in people's lives. And as, and as people are transformed, we pray that even there that your kingdom would come to affect communities and neighborhoods and even systems that are in place that, that are anti your kingdom, Lord, that, that your kingdom would come in powerful ways in our neighborhood here, in our borough, in our city, in our nation, in our world. You give us eyes to see, Lord, just the next step, things you're calling us to do, seeds you're calling us to plant. Lord, that we wouldn't walk away today feeling overwhelmed with this, but we'd walk away feeling encouraged that you are the one who brings your kingdom. You are the one who provides the growth. And all you call us to do is plant the seeds into the places that you've placed before us. So give us the grace, Lord, to do that freely, generously, and to watch as you bring your kingdom in our midst, even as we await the day when you will return to bring your kingdom in all of its fullness. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.